I'm excited about what's going on at Commonwealth Baptist College. I really am excited about what our graduates are already doing in building churches and uh, doing a good work as far as assistant pastors and Christian schools, and I'm glad to be a part of what's going on there. Open your Bibles in first to First Samuel chapter 10. It's been a great conference. I want to thank you for coming. I want to thank the pastors who are here and who brought young people. I want to thank the youth pastors and it may be a lay leader. In some cases, I appreciate you being here and I appreciate every teenager and every person that came. I'll tell you this, CBC really is, it really is a great place to be. It really is. Every day is an exciting day. I really don't think we're putting on anything as far as what you would just see uh, in in a day. Of course, we have special events like Spirit Days. Uh, They would be uh, better described as... um, Retarded days are, um, uh, and and but they they were a lot of fun this year. Some of them even made sense. And uh, but but the decorations, the fun, the teams, uh, all of the activities, uh, week after week, uh, the fellows uh, play in a basketball league. Uh, the gals play in a volleyball uh, league and the tournament for basketball and volleyball is tomorrow uh, afternoon. And uh, just so many activities. And then, of course, uh, the bus ministry is a great part of uh, training and preparing for the ministry. And I'm always impressed by the growth of uh, young men and young ladies in the work of the bus ministry. Not, not making plans to affect lives, but affecting lives while they're preparing. And that's a great thing. I, I, I'm just amazed. Uh, you know, uh, when someone is able to build a bus route, uh, they're able to uh, hold down a job and pay for their school. And a pastor calls and says, I'm looking for an assistant pastor. It's easy to say, well, here's a fellow that produces 30, 40, 50 people every week on his bus. He pays his bills. And uh, he uh, just, uh, it's an easy thing to do, to make recommendation. And it's just a wonderful place. If I could ask each of you a favor this morning, I think all of you uh, would uh, do for me uh, what you think I could, uh, what you think you could be of help to me in doing. And so I want to ask you as a group if you would give me your attention for about 35 minutes as we close uh, the conference with this message this morning. First Samuel chapter 10. I want you to stand with me. We've heard some very important truths uh, that we put into our minds and our hearts. Some of them may have been new. Some of them may have been a reminder or a reset uh, in our lives. Can I remind you that the just man falleth seven times and yet he riseth again? Uh, Let me tell you something. I made many, many, many decisions at conferences just like this And there were times I was discouraged because I failed in my goals and commitments, or I thought I failed. But you see, a failure is not someone who falls. A failure is someone who will not get up when they fall. 
So if you go away and you have a day that you fail in one of your commitments, uh, one of your decisions for God, uh, don't stay down and become a failure. Get back up again because a just man, not a man, a just man, a good man, a right man, a just man falleth seven times and yet he riseth up again. Nobody, nobody has ever accomplished anything for God that didn't have times that they fell down in their attempt to, to do something for God. And so, don't you be discouraged when you fall. Uh, you just get back up again and get back in the race again. That's not the message this morning. Uh, that's extra. First uh, Samuel chapter 10. I want you to notice in this chapter, Saul has been anointed as the king of Israel. For the most part, I really like Saul, and I believe Saul, for a good period of time, was a very good king. And uh, for much of his reign, he loved the people, he protected the people, uh, he, he was a good man. And it is a shame that a good man like Saul loses his testimony because he, he didn't finish well. He didn't finish right. And I want to tell you why he didn't finish well or didn't finish right as we go through the message today. I want to preach on this subject, getting half right with God. Getting half right with God. Look at verse number 5, if you will. After that... <clears throat> Thou shalt come to the hill of God. Now Saul is giving, is being given instruction. In verse number one, Samuel anoints Saul with the oil, uh, to become the king. And he said, Thou shalt come to the hill of God. Where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. They're going to preach. Uh, they're going to declare the word of God. Verse number 6, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them, and notice this phrase, if you will, and shalt be turned into another man, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are coming to thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Heavenly Father, I want to be a blessing uh, as we close out the conference today. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would be evident in the message and the speaking and in the hearing. I pray that we would close out with a, with a high note, Lord, with a confirmation of what we've heard. And may we go away determined uh, to not uh, do a work for you in the future. But not, and not just surrender for the future, but go away with a decision I'm going to make a difference for the cause of Christ now. 
as I prepare for even greater service. I pray that you'd help me as I preach in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I want you to look right this way. I want to ask that no one would leave the building. I don't want you to get up and walk around and disturb folks. I want you to sit down. I want you to listen. I want you to look right this way. In verse number 6, the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. Now, let me teach you just for a few minutes here. This Spirit is the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that came at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit did not begin at Pentecost, but He uh, began to indwell the believer uh, when we come to the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son, all three, are in Genesis chapter 1, and they are eternal. Uh, they always have been. They always will be. And so this is the same Holy Spirit. However, in these days, the Holy Spirit did not indwell the believer as he does in our lives today, but the same Holy Spirit came upon men to accomplish the will of God. In these days, when the Spirit came upon a man, uh, the, uh, that man was able to accomplish things that was beyond his ability. Now, I want to say that again. When the Spirit of God would come upon a man, he was able to accomplish more than his ability. The same is true today. That's why I do not want to serve God in my limited ability. I want to serve God according to the Bible teaching under the influence or under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's available not just for a 47-year-old pastor. That's available for a 13-year-old teenager. You need the power of God. I, I remember the day well. Uh, we were over in the gymnasium and having our church services there. And uh, before we built this building, and I was praying. And I prayed a prayer something like, Oh, God, give me the Holy Spirit power of uh, R.A. Torrey. And it seemed that the Holy Spirit of God convicted me uh, when I prayed that prayer to have this thought, I don't need the Holy Spirit power to do what R.A. Torrey did. I need the Holy Spirit power to do God's will for my life today. You don't need the Holy Spirit power of a R.A. Torrey or another preacher. You need the Holy Spirit power in your life to do God's will for your life at age 13 or 14 or 15 or 16. You can't win souls to Christ in the power of the flesh. You must have the working of the Holy Spirit in your life to be an effective soul winner and to have a walk with God. Now, in these days, the Spirit of God came upon a man. In this chapter, uh, we find two places, and I believe there were more, but there are two places recorded where the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and he accomplished wonderful things. In fact, it was noticeable to the people around him. In chapter 10, verse number 7, uh, the Bible says, And let it be when these signs are come unto thee, 
that uh, thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Uh, we find two things happen. First of all, he does begin to speak, and he begins to speak as a prophet. Let's notice, if you will, uh, uh, if you if you will, in verse number eleven. Verse number 10, And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw him, that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is coming to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the uh, the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? They said, Did you hear Saul speaking? Did you hear Saul preaching? I never heard that man speak like that before. You know why they'd never heard him speak like that before? Because he'd never spoken under the influence of the Holy Spirit before. And there's a difference in a man that's memorized an outline, and a man that speaks under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. They notice there's something different about Saul. The Spirit of God is upon him. I want you to notice in the next chapter, chapter number 11 and verse number 5, the Bible says, And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the tidings of the men of Jabesh, by the way, which was a threat against the people of God. And notice, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard these tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. God, give us some men today that will get so filled with the Spirit of God. They get angry at sin again and quit trying to satisfy and appease a bunch of backslidden Baptists in their churches today and get so filled with the power of God to begin to preach against sin again because we'll never have the power of God in our life until we separated from sin and learned to live a, a holy life. The Bible says in verse number 7, And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hand of the messenger, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. You talk about a draft notice. The messenger comes. He said, what's that in your hand? He said, that's a piece of an oxen. What are you doing with a, uh, with a bloody piece of meat in your hand? Saul told me to bring that and show it to you and said, if you don't report for duty, he's going to do the same thing to your oxen. And so they said, I'll see you, sweetheart. I'm going to war. Now, what caused Saul? Now, now think ahead just a little bit. Do you remember when he was afraid of Goliath and wouldn't fight? Do you remember when he took his armor and he gave it to young David so David could go fight? You remember that? 
Here in this passage of Scripture, the Spirit of God comes upon him. He is a very young king, and the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he goes out and he defeats the enemy. It's amazing what happens when a man is yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit begins to use him. I was either 13 or 14 years old, and I attended a conference, and I uh, heard several sermons about the Holy Spirit from the Bible. I learned that the Holy Spirit was a person. I learned that the Holy Spirit was real. I learned that the Holy Spirit was uh, a power for service. I learned that I need to be hungry for the Holy Spirit. I left that conference, and I took my uh, little Schofield Bible that I had in those days. I have it in my office now. And I began to, when I would do my Bible reading, I would finish a page and I would then write the words, pray for God's power. I got so hungry for the power of God in my life as a teenager, I prayed that prayer many times a day. In fact, that prayer has been a part of my life since those days of being 13 or 14 years of age, right through today before I left my office to get on my knees and say, God, more than anything, I want to be a Spirit-filled preacher. I don't want to just give a sermon. I don't want to just give a speech. I don't want to just give an outline. I want the power of God in my life. I want to see not what I can do. I want to see what you can do through a man that's yielded to you. And so I would read the next page and write the words, pray for God's power. Now Saul as a young king was under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. But wait a minute. Saul did not continue his leadership as Israel's commander-in-chief with the Spirit of God upon him. Saul, as so many do, became filled with pride. He got full of himself to the place that he began to disobey God. And hear this statement well. You can't be full of pride and full of the Holy Spirit at the same time. The Holy Spirit, of course, indwells us, but He will not empower us unless we are empty of self and filled or yielded to the Holy Spirit. Then something terrible happened. An evil spirit began to come upon Saul, and Saul would do things that were evil. Uh, His heart was filled with jealousy. His heart became filled with bitterness, and he began to hate and desire to hurt or kill those that he had loved. A musician was called to play for, to play music for Saul. Young David, uh, the musician, the shepherd, later the king of Israel, he came in and he began to play the harp. It's It's very interesting to me what happens to Saul here. When Saul hears the music, the evil spirit departs from him. Now, that's good. That's good. And that's a blessing. And good music is very important in our lives. You need to listen to good music. You need to listen to music that glorifies God. You need to listen to music that helps you in your service for God as it was a help to Saul. Let me review. First of all, we learn this. We learn the Spirit of God came upon Saul and he was changed into another man. 
The second thing we learned is that when the Spirit of God is upon Saul, he accomplishes things that are beyond his own ability. Uh, they've heard him speak before, but now that the Holy Spirit is upon him, even the other preachers begin to say, Wow, who, whose son is that? I, I, I thought, is he one of the prophets? No, but he's got the power of God in his life like a preacher does. Amen. It's amazing to hear that guy speak. He went to war without any fear, filled with the power of God upon him. And we learn that the Spirit of God came upon him and he accomplished things beyond his own ability. Third, we learn when Saul was filled with pride, he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Fourth, we learned an evil spirit then came upon Saul. And when the evil spirit came, he desired to do evil things. We learn then, number five, a musician was called for, and when he heard the music, the evil spirit departed from Saul. Now, here's the message I want you to get this morning. When that music was played, though the evil spirit departed from Saul, we never find any recording where the Spirit of God came on Saul again. And we never find where Saul accomplished anything great for God again. In fact, where there was faith, there now is fear. When there was a desire to move forward, there is now a desire to hide, and he's afraid of Goliath, and, 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 he, never, and he never obeys again. It was wonderful that the music helped Saul, that the evil spirit departed. It was wonderful that the desire to kill and to hurt was taken from Saul. It is good that Saul became not a bad person. And yet the problem is he never accomplished anything great for God anymore. Now look right this way. It is not enough to just not be a bad person. This nation of ours needs some people who will do more than get half right with God and get filled with the Holy Spirit again to do a work for God. Now, those of you who go soul winning and witness to folks and invite folks to church, here's how the conversation often goes. After the introduction of who you are and who they are, and you get to the question, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? They will often say this, well, I'm not a really a bad person. They maybe even claim to be a Christian, but they most often say, I'm not a bad person. They begin to describe or qualify that, not a bad person. I hear preachers talking about the layman, uh, uh, some of the laymen in their church, and they'll say, well, he's, um, he, he's, a, he's a good fella. He's, he's faithful to church. He's not a bad guy at all. He attends quite regular. He sings in the choir most all of the time, I, I think. He attends Sunday school. 
Can I tell you something? There are too many Christians that are half right with God, and their focus is to not do anything bad, but the truth is they're having no effect on our world, having no effect on our culture, having no effect of winning folks to Christ. You know why? They've never come to the place that they hunger to be controlled, to be led, to be filled, to be empowered with the Spirit of God. I want to tell you something today. We need more than talent. We need some spirit-filled teenagers. We need more than ability. We need some teenagers that will get hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we need some folks filled with the Spirit of God in our churches, in our homes, and in this nation. Can I tell you that we need some men in the pulpits today who are affecting more than the pews, but affecting beyond the pews to their state and to their nation. We have preachers today that are filled with fear. I was talking to a politician called me this morning, and uh, he said, Now, Pastor, you have to be careful what you say. I said, I'm sick and tired of hearing that. If it's in the book, I'm going to preach it. I don't care what the Constitution would be chained to say. I mean, I don't care what the ACLU has to say. It's time that the men of God stand again and preach with the power of God in their life because it is not man that changes man. It's the Spirit of God. With the Word of God that changes man. It's not a Sunday school teacher's ability to tell a story that changes a student. It's a Sunday school teacher that has the power of God in his life. You see, uh, the Bible is the sword, not of the man. It's the sword of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to be in our lives as we do a work for God. There's a story I want to compare this to. First of all, Saul was never used again by the Lord under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He had better days. Uh, he restored his reputation some. He may have been called by others as not so bad of a guy who has had some glory days. On the other hand, later David became the king of Israel, and David too went into sin. It was the sin of adultery. It was the sin of plotted murder and the attempt to cover up his sin. As we understand it, David's sin was with him for about a year. He lost his joy. He lost his song. He lost his purpose. You have your joy today? Does it take a song leader to get you going in the morning? A preacher by the name of Nathan came to David, and friend, he preached him a sermon of conviction and power. He told him that simple story. He said, King, a man had a guest to come and visit him, and this man was very wealthy. And when his guest came, he, of course, prepared a meal for him. But rather than taking one of the many lambs uh, that was in his flock to kill and prepare for his guest, he went to his neighbor, and his neighbor was not a wealthy man, but a man uh, that was poor. And he only had one lamb. And that wealthy man took that one little sheep of that man, and he killed it, and he served it as a meal to his friend that came in traveling. David said, that man ought to be killed. 
That, 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 that man ought to face judgment. Nathan said, Thou art the man. We come to Psalm 51. Turn your Bibles there. After a year of no joy, no song, no purpose, discouragement and depression, David did not do what Saul did. Saul, the Bible said, called for music so that evil spirit would depart. But David wanted more than just to not do bad things anymore. Too many teenagers are focused on things that they should not be doing rather than focused on staying busy and doing what they're supposed to do. You know, when I was a teenage boy, so many times in the evening, my dad would say, son, you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, after uh, school and after responsibilities, after maybe uh, plowing a mule and taking care of the strawberries and feeding the animals, and do, I did what I wanted to do. I went to bed. David wanted more than just to be a good person. Don't miss it. David wanted a cleansing. Notice what he says in Psalm 51 and verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse number 11. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse number 17. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, that will not despise. David wanted his spirit broken and God's spirit to rest upon him. David wasn't like Saul who got half right with God. He got rid of the bad things. It's not enough that you get rid of your rock music. It's not enough that you erase the things off the telephone or iPod or wherever it may be. It's not enough to get rid of the bad things. We need some teenagers that will get the power of the Holy Spirit in their life so that you can do more than sit there not being bad, but you can get on fire and do something to make a difference for the cause of Christ right now. I mean, you can win another teenager to Christ. You can win a child to Christ. You can build a bus route for God. I'm telling you today, what we need is a generation of fundamentalists. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned. I'm concerned that fundamentalists are too impressed with the slick-looking things of the world. And then, friend, don't misunderstand me. I want to be clean. I want to be neat. I want to have a computer that takes care of my work and responsibility, but I want to tell you something. I want to look like a preacher. I want to act like a preacher. I'm not interested in we don't train CEOs here. We train servants of God at Commonwealth Baptist College. I'm not interested in replacing the power of God with what looks good. I'm interested in young men getting the power of God in their lives. 
America needs some preaching under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, now I thank the Lord for the good music that Saul had, but it seems like Brother Cooper travels the nation. He knows what I'm talking about. You announce you're having a music concert, and you get a pretty good crowd because that's the crowd, and I'm not against music concerts. If it's good gospel music. Not much interested in a bunch of long-haired looking sissies singing gospel music. I don't care how good Elvis Presley or Penrod or whatever his name is can sing. I really don't care. I'd rather hear a bus captain that can win people to Christ uh, stand and sing uh, uh, not as uh, good as others can sing, but they have a heart behind what they're singing. We've got a country today that's excited about good gospel music. You know, that makes you feel good. It's enjoyable. Oh, that's a good crowd. They're not so bad. can tell you something. We need more than that. We need some spirit-filled preaching again in our churches today. We need more than just, just, just hey, we've turned our churches today in entertainment centers. That's right. I, and I'm not just talking about those Walmart kind of churches. I, I'm talking about even the independent fundamental Baptist church. We've come to the day that we say, oh, my goodness, they have scheduled the Super Bowl on Sunday. God, I'm sorry, but we'll have to change the service time for you. You came to establish the local church and you gave your life for it. But this is the Super Bowl. You would understand, wouldn't you? And the most public satanic worship service that's ever been, uh, that's ever been publicly given, uh, was given at the halftime of the Super Bowl this year, and half the Christians in this country sat there and watched Madonna come out with her satanic crown and horn on, and all the seraphims and everything, uh, giving her honor and glory, and the people of God skipping church to watch a Super Bowl game, And what we want to do is not be bad. We need more than not be bad. We need some men of God that are filled with the Spirit of God. I said Sunday night, Super Bowl, 7 o'clock. I said, welcome to the Super Bowl party. And our Super Bowl party this year was just like last year's Super Bowl party. And we got another one planned for next year. Here's how we do it. The choir sings at 7 o'clock. After the choir sings, the congregation sings. After the congregation sings, I can't stand it, so I come up here and I sing. I sing, I sing not because I can, but because I can't help it. I mean, something happened. When I heard Lester Olaf sing, I said, now, now, now there's something different about that. The power of God's in that. You, you, if you ever heard Lester Olaf sing, I mean, it'll mess you up for just, I mean, for timing and, and, and you, if you learn it the Lester Olaf way, you can throw the, you can throw the timing away. The timing is follow the leader. Oh, I remember hearing him sing, one sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind. The light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, 
The tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, all tears are wiped away. And so I sing a while. Then everybody sings with me. And then we have prayer time. In our Super Bowl party after prayer time, then uh, we have the choir to sing a special. And they sing about the risen Savior, the one that came from glory, the one that died on the cross of Calvary. But friend, three days and three nights later, up from the grave he arose. And they sing about the Savior then that ascended to heaven. And the angels said, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus that you've seen go up to heaven shall so come in like manner. And they sang about that Jesus. Well, after the choir got finished singing, all of us, we sang again. I then made a few announcements and I talked about the importance of activities and soul winning. And then in our Super Bowl party after that, we took up an offering. And we took up an offering that would help keep 24 buses on the road. That on that day, Super Bowl Sunday, we celebrated with more than 700 riders and 25 trusting Christ as Savior. We got finished with the offering time. We sang again, and then we had a special. And then after the special song, they turned me loose, and I preached every, I preached an hour sermon. So excited, I got finished in 35 minutes. I was like the fellow that got the seven-year itch, but he was so nervous he scratched out of it in two years. <laughs> then at the end of our Super Bowl party, we had an invitation time. And Christians walked the aisle, made some changes in their life. And some folks trusted Christ as Savior. Hey, I want to tell you something today. It'll be a cold day in hell when we start changing uh, the worship services and the church services of the local church that he started for any kind of a ball game. Now, what we need is some folks that are as excited about the Spirit of God doing a work in their hearts as they are some of the things of the world. And here's what they said. Well, it's not too bad. Don't you get sick and tired of not being too bad? Why don't you do something for God? Where are the young men that dream about doing something great for God? Where are the young men who says, I'm going to take this town and build a church of 500? Where, you, by the way, I've learned some of the best places to build a church. Brother Manning, I think one of the best places to build a church is where they say you can't build one. Because everywhere they say you can't build one, it seems to me like some uh, spirit-filled man of God that believes the King James Bible and still going soul winning, uh, he's doing it. I was preaching this week and a Southern Baptist pastor came to speak to me. I'd never met him before. He said, I was serving in Lexington in the early 90s. He said, well, i just tell you, he said, I went to some meetings there and your name came up from time to time, and they would use you as an example of people that were not willing to change and turn loose of the old archaic methods of building a church. They would say, now, like Brother Fugit, he's still trying to get his people to knock on doors. In fact, Nancy Joe Kemper, the president of the National Council of Churches for the division here, on a Sunday morning, she took one of our church tracts as she addressed her congregation. And she said, Brother Fugit's church came to my daughter's door yesterday and gave one of these little papers like this to my, gave this little paper to my daughter. He thinks he's God. He thinks he can tell people 
if they're going to heaven or not. She then proceeded to read. He asked folks the question, if you died right now, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? He then proceeds to go through these verses and tell folks that they can go to heaven. And, and, and he tells them they can know for sure. First time the gospel had ever been given in that church, I'll guarantee you. But I figure if God could use Balaam's donkey, maybe he could use the president of the National Council of Churches on an occasion. And a fellow said to me, he said, uh, now he's an example of a guy that's not willing to change and get with it. Well, he said, uh, Brother Fugit, he said those fellows are still running their same crowd. He said they've tried entertainment, but he said, you have to put on a pretty good show in Lexington to get that crowd to come. There's so many shows. I'll just stay with the old past. Thank you. For you see, as I went to the backside of that mountain as a teenage boy, and I began to beg for the power of God. And I began to say, God, would you answer prayers for me like you answered for John Rice? Would you answer prayers for me like you answered for Lester Olaf? Guess what? He started answering prayers for me. He did. He started answering prayers. I'd witness to folks and they would get saved. Not everybody gets saved, I witness to. But I'll tell you one thing, with the power of the Holy Spirit, a lot more gets saved than before. I came to Lexington in May of 91 and 18 people was here on a Wednesday night. A couple of weeks later, two preachers, independent Baptist pastors, pulled up in the parking lot. I was glad to see them. But I wasn't glad for what they said. They said, now, Brother Fugit, I know you're sort of old-fashioned, but... You know, here in Lexington, in this city, you probably can't preach hard like you did in Hazard and get away with it. And you definitely can't run buses because the bus kids here won't put enough money in the offering plate to pay for the gas. Friend, if you can keep them from taking any money out of the offering plate, you're that much ahead. But some 20 years later, it's amazing. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit has done. I know who I am. Oh, there's so many times I'm filled with fear. There's so many times I've wanted to run back to the security of those Appalachian Mountains. There's something about just going back in those big mountains towering above. Being able to go and sit down on the on a rock, on the side of a cliff, just to be all alone. There's something secure about that. There have been times I've been so afraid. Of course, there's a coward's fear in the Bible, and then there's a fear that drives you to faith in God. But in these years, more than 20 churches have been started, more than one a year. There are times as many as 5,000 people will be in church on a Sunday that was not in church 20 years ago. You saw the video of the camp, 117 acres. The college itself is a miracle. 23-acre campus. They wanted some 7 or $8 million for that piece of property. And when I offered a million dollars, they laughed at me. 
We bought it for a million dollars. Can I tell you something? There is a God in heaven. And he's looking for a teenage boy that get hungry for him. He's looking for a teenage boy that that may have to go ahead and grow up and just lay some toys down. And say, God, we're losing in this country. We've got to have some spirit-filled men of God. We need some young ladies that will give their life to God and get hungry for God again. I'm going to tell you something. The most surprised person in this building of what God has done in these 20 years is this preacher right here. Oh, if you only knew. There have been times I've called to do things that are so far above my ability. A year and a half ago when the governor was giving his plan for casino gambling, They called and said, we want you to give the prayer before he gives his gambling plan. We fought it again and again and again. Last Thursday, yet another victory against casino gambling. I was sitting in the gallery waiting for the session to start. Actually, the session started. They were recognizing folks and waiting for the vote to be taken. State policeman tapped me on the shoulder. I looked up at him. He said, the governor sent me up here to escort you out of the building. But I knew the guy. He was just kidding. (laughs) In fact, most of my family are state policemen. In fact, some of the governor's bodyguards are pretty good friends of mine. Governor doesn't have much good to say about me. But you know what he knows? He knows that there's a man of God standing in my way. And not just a man of God, there are many people of God. This town and this state knows that there's an old country preacher. He's not very smart, but he's smart enough to know you get the power of God in your life. It's amazing what can be done. Oh, I wish I could get you to get hungry for the power of God in your life. Don't go home half right with God. Yes, you ought to get rid of all the things Brother Jorgensen preached about separation. We have to have that. But it's not enough just to get rid of bad things. We need the power of God in our life. Would you stand with me today? I don't really know what happened in my heart as a teenage boy. But I sat there and I heard the men of God preach. And I said, they've got something I want. They've got something you really, you can't get that at Bible college. As I began to listen, I began to learn what they had was a power of God in their life. And what they had came from time on their knees in prayer. What they had came from a hunger for the power of God. Oh, how I pray today God would give to a young man and a young lady a hunger again for the power of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, 
our country needs some preachers that have more than the appearance of leadership. Dear God, we need some men of God that a hunger is inside them that can't be satisfied. It can't be satisfied with sports. It can't be satisfied with electronics. Oh God, the only thing that would satisfy it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Too many devotions happen in a minute. Too many preachers are sleeping every night of the month. No man of God in a city of this size ought to sleep every night and every month. God, if he's not burdened for souls and burdened for your power in his life, there's something wrong. Oh, God, I pray that we would go away from here today, not half right with you, but hungering for the Spirit of God. Bless, I pray.